the TEH, the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast, where several hosts talk about what they find interesting in tech this week. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash teh44. We don't have all four hosts here this week. Oh. We have five. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm Randy Cassingham, and... What do you do, Randy? <laughs> I apparently drink too much. <laughs> I'm the founder of ThisIsTrue.com, thought-provoking entertainment online weekly since the dark ages of the internet, the 20th century. Ooh. I'm Kevin Savitz, creator of FreePrintable.net and FaxZero.com, which lets you get useful work done with your computer if you're so inclined. I'm Gary Rosenzweig. I uh, do the videos at macmost.com teaches you how to use your mac and other apple stuff and i also have lots of uh on you know mobile games and things like that you can find those at clevermedia.com my name is alan wyatt i'm uh founder of the tips.net website and publisher of excel tips and word tips newsletters go out every week along with a plethora of other newsletters so plethora plethora Yes. And I'm Leo Notenboom, the Leo behind AskLeo.com, and believe it or not, I am the only one actually with alcohol in his hands here today, so I don't know what these are. Just planned ahead. These, these other guys are excuses. I'm, I'm going to step out in a minute and go get some. Se- secondhand fumes. <laughs> Aside from that, Randy, how is tonight different than all other nights? Well, it's not all other nights because we have once done an episode when we got together, and in fact... You know, what did we do this week? We all traveled to the secret lair. This is a different secret lair than last time. And uh, we're in the mountains this time. So uh, we're all together around a table here. Hopefully you can hear us all well. Hopefully, yeah. The audio always takes a hit when you're actually in the same room together instead of all mic'd up individually. But yeah. Anyway. yeah. But yeah, yeah. So it's cool. It's good to see you guys. Good to see you. It's good to be here. Yeah. It's good to be seen. <laughs> So we got, well, what have we been up to this week besides traveling to the secret lair, which we could all put on our list? Well, certainly in my case, I mean, travel was a big part of the week. It took me two days to get here because I elected to drive. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a beautiful drive, uh, but a long one. I ended up, uh, well, I can't even say where I spent the middle night without revealing potentially the location of the secret lair. We'll have to get another secret lair again. So yeah. I, had a, I had a secret intermediate lair <laughs> where I spent one night on the way coming to the, to the secret lair. Um, and about all you can really infer from that is the secret lair is two days' drive from Woodenville. <laughs> Pick a direction. Well, depending on how fast you drive, yeah, that's just, a pretty wide uh, circle. Yeah. Two days going west would not be a good idea. Two, two <laughs> days straight west, yeah, there you go. That would be secret. On an oil rig in the middle of the <laughs> So, other than that, it's you know business as usual for me, basically preparing for this trip, uh, catching up from a vacation I took the week before, uh, just, you know, the usual stuff, answering questions, writing articles, and uh, kind of getting ready. What about you guys? I, I spent the week putting in a sewer in my house, but there you go. <laughs> that is very low tech. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Not enthusiastic or tech. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do much this week. I, I just I travel and, uh, you know, finished my course launch for Mojave and getting ahead for the travel and all that stuff. So The irony is that what should have been a seven and a half hour drive for you yeah. was what, 12? Yeah, well, no, it wasn't 12. It was, it was like took, 10. You have trouble finding the secret layer. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> it, okay, who oh, didn't tell him? We forgot to tell him. Oh. Well, we, we kept moving it. Yeah. No, no, I just, I, I, liked, I, I liked driving, and so I got really creative with the, if I had just gone and said, Hey Siri, take me to the secret lair. I would have been here in you know no time. But instead, I'm like, oh, let me get off the highway here. Oh, let me go and take this. Well, this kind of goes diagonally in the direction I want. You know, well, let's look scenic over here. You know, that kind of thing. So, did that, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's like, you know, you're driving for eight hours, and you're still hundreds of miles away from. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I better, I better actually. You drive. even stopped for a nap. I did. Yeah, why not? That that's travel in style. That's why he's so refreshed this evening. Yeah. So. Unlike me. Well, I can't. I haven't gotten the opportunity to do much camping this year, so I was kind of like camping. I just camped in the middle of the day. <laughs> a beautiful spot. So. But you, Kevin. Uh, let's see. I um, finished playing the game Infidel 
for uh, my Eaten by a Gru podcast, which is the Infocom game I mentioned several weeks ago that I was playing. I finally finished that um, last night, actually. And now I've started um, kind of an interim thing, uh, started uh, judging entries to the Interactive Fiction Competition, which is an annual competition of people writing uh, text adventures and other interactive fiction games. Um, I think there are about 40 entries this year, and anyone can be a judge, and you kind of create an account on the site, and you log in, you start playing games, and, and uh, as long as you review five, then your, your uh, entries count. You're, you're judging entries count because they don't want they don't want people going there and, and just judge their friends how are the games like you pay a lot of these types of games the original yeah. you know ones that are just amazing and stuff how are these new ones well um i can okay i've only started judging for this year so i will talk about based on previous years I, I have done judging um they're very interesting and very tend to be very different from the games from back in the day you know when you paid played an Infocom game in the 80s, um, and you paid $40 in 1980s dollars for that, you, you, know, you were getting some serious playtime and thinking difficult puzzles. Um, and a lot of the modern IF games are a very different, very story-based. You might be able to finish them in, in an hour, half an hour, depending on the game. Um, and also, many of them aren't parser-based games anymore. You know, the, the, it's kind of games where you type, you know, take lamp, and it mm -hmm. says, you know, you take the brass lantern, and then you type go north. Um, many of them are uh, click, you just click to choose, choose a word. Um, the one I'm playing now, um, it kind of gives you some text about what's happening, and then it, it'll have two words, like uh, it might say read or uh, explore. And if you click the read button, uh, the things you can read in the description uh, highlight. So you could put do read book or read magazine, you know, and you can kind of drag. So it's, it's a very different sort of experience. Um, so I enjoy them, and I like seeing where the, the medium has gone. These sound like glorified expert systems, right, where you're basically just asking a series of questions and oh, making yeah. decisions no, on, the, on the response. Mm -hmm. yeah, some of them are, are just, but nothing, nothing much more than Some of them are binary trees. I mean, some of them are, yeah. Um, yeah, I was always annoyed by the ones where, like, the the correct answer was using some words that had never been used before in the game. Like, yeah. you had to use a verb that you had no idea you could say, you know, whatever it was, and and do something. And there was no clue to it. I, I always liked, you know, the Ultima games, which weren't text adventure games, sure, but they had bits that were in it where somebody would talk to you, and the clues for what to say were always in the text. So mm. if somebody mentioned you know, put the word kingdom in what they said, you would t you could type one of the words that they said, and sometimes it would lead some, sometimes it would go nowhere, sometimes it would be exactly where it would take you. But it was never some unknown word. It was always like, read carefully, and then, right. and, it, and it almost, because it almost works in the re real world. You know, if you wanted to be annoying, you could go around and talk to people, and whatever they say, just pick out one word that they say, annoying? and repeat it back to them. <laughs> and but you can hold the whole conversation that way. Conversation, as long as only. <laughs> so, it's the old Eliza programs, which is pretty much, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Randy, so. how about you? Just getting ready for this meeting and uh, having a good time. Cool, cool. Um, so the there's a there's a couple of big big-ish stories. One's really big, to which a lot of people are going, eh. eh. Uh, and that's that Google Plus is shutting down. And PC World calls it a breach, but it's not. It's not a breach. Not well, a breach of the week. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what, although, I'll put it this way. Uh, Alan and I were talking about a little earlier. It's not known to be a breach. In right. other words, there's no, there's no indication that any data was actually um, um, absconded with from what was detected as nothing more than a vulnerability in an API. Oh. Um, it's possible that data was stolen, but there's no evidence. There's no audit trail, um, and that's in part because the audit trail is cut off after 30 days, and this has been like six months ago or something like that. So, right. so in other words, the problem was that nope. Google Plus was so little used that even when there was vulnerability, nobody nobody cared. It. Right? <laughs> nobody well, noticed. Yeah. Well, it's it's actually it's actually a little funnier than that because the vulnerability is in an API, and you had to register in order to get access to the API. 
Only 450 people registered to get access to this family of APIs, right? Which, in the world of APIs and social media, that's a tiny, mm. tiny number. It's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. Yeah. And so, you know, there was very little interest in this. So the chances of one of those people actually uh, leveraging or doing what they weren't supposed to do with the API is very, very tiny. Anyway, the headlines all say breach. It's not a breach. But Google just decided, you know what? Screw it. Nobody's using this. Nobody. A very small percentage of people are using Google+. We're going to shut her down. They're apparently going to keep it for the enterprise level folks, though. But just for general consumers, it's, it's going it's, away completely. It's funny. The way I read that... But, but it really went away years ago. Yeah, well, in a lot of ways. Um, the way I read that thing about the enterprise is that it, um, they're going to keep using it internally. Inside of Google. Okay. Um, and whatever that support requires is what they will then support, presumably, for other enterprises who are interested in doing the same. Yeah. But as far as consumers, like, you know, you and I and whomever, Google Plus is going away. Now, the impact on, on you know, quote-unquote real people is actually very small. Uh, as I said, nobody's using it. There's no evidence of an actual breach. Uh, if you have a Google account, there's a very, very, very high probability that you have a Google Plus profile because apparently Google made it almost impossible not to have a Google Plus profile. They would profile. automatically create them. Yeah. yeah. And if you have a Gmail account, you have a Google account. Well, yes, your Gmail account is typically your Google account, but for most accounts, uh, it'll say, you know, the way to tell, by the way, if you have a Google, if you, if you, uh, to find out if you have a Google Plus profile is to log into your Gmail account on the web and Near your icon in the upper right, it will say Google Plus Profile, if you have one, which is the link to go check out what your Google Plus Profile is all about. There have been some uh, articles already published about you know, how to tell, which I just told you, and then how to delete it. You know what? I don't why, think why it bother? matters. Why bother, yeah. right? I mean, I'm just going to let it die when it dies its natural death in something, what is it, 10 months? Yeah. You're talking about yeah. my, my, my feeling, August of next year. I yeah, think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. my so, feeling is I'm just guessing that they were about to announce that they were going to kill it anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's what it came. At. They said, "Oh no, we we have to announce this breach, not a breach thing," and they're like, "Oh crap, we were in two weeks or something. We were going to announce that we we're going to close this." Right. And so, well, we can't delay the you know announcing the vulnerability another two weeks for that. So they just rushed the. I mean, there's no way they decided to close it because of this. Right. They had already well, decided to close it. Actually, they could have, because they knew about this in March. Um, they actually had fixed the vulnerability two weeks later. Two weeks they later, discovered right? It. Yes. So it's been fixed for a long time. They've known about it for a long time. They're just telling us about it now. This is October, so what is that? Five or six months later. So the point being there that they had a lot of opportunity to actually think this through. And I'm sure it was only one of a couple of data points or you know, several data points that led to them shutting it down. But they've known about it for a while. I, I, and if there's I, any criticism, it's that, that they had this issue come up. And they kept it secret, so to speak. Yeah, I got the impression that they, they discovered how... They, they finally came up with quantifiable information that... Google Plus had been dead for a while by <laughs> analyzing the log files after discovering the security breach. Right. Uh, not security breach, uh, the loophole, whatever. Vulnerability, yeah. Vulnerability. Yeah. So. And it's interesting, from a, from a programmer's perspective, how they found it was actually kind of interesting. They did not get any reports of anything. They were doing what's called a code review. And that's simply engineers sitting around reviewing the actual software to see if it was written properly. And they discovered... No. <laughs> no, exactly. There was a, As a there matter of fact, it wasn't. Yeah. So they discovered this internally. Again, there's no data that, that says anybody knew about this outside of Google until this week. So anyway, Google Plus is going away. We're not really all that sad. I haven't used it in years. I haven't years. used it a long time. I stopped auto-posting Ask Leo articles to it a long time ago because nobody seemed to care. There are definitely some passionate users out there. Uh, there are some folks that really do believe that the Google Plus interface is far superior from a social media perspective than, say, Facebook. Probably right. But <laughs> if nobody's using it, 
that yeah. yeah. Uh, for Write, me, writing your message in the sand at the beach is better way to share media <laughs> socially than, than Facebook. Well, except for one thing. So the, the, Someone might actually have them buy and see your message at the, on the, in the sand at the beach. There's one reason I, I... So up until recently, a few months ago, or maybe it was almost a year ago now, I posted all, like every new episode of Mac Most, so every day I was posting to Google+. And, and I stopped doing it every day, but I would still post important things and certain things to it. And there was only one reason I was ever doing that, because nobody was looking at it. I would get zero clicks from it. Right, I could track that. I could see how many people clicked on the post at Google Plus and went to Mac Most and viewed the video. None. Never happened. The reason I did it was because of the belief that possibly, maybe possibly, just... maybe Google gave a little extra weight to my page mm -hmm. because it was mentioned in a Google Plus, you know, link. And or that you just had a Google Plus link. And... Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So the idea is, because at the beginning, when they launched Google+, they implied it, right, a lot. <laughs> they did, yeah. They, yeah. Applied, they, they launched Google+, and they said, oh, by the way, we're going to start heavily weighting social media mentions. And we have a new social media site. So it's like, <laughs> what a nudge, nudge, mention all your stuff at Google+. So I kept doing that, and, and I was afraid, because it's free, and it took me like two seconds to do every day. And so why would I stop doing it? You're one of those 90% who only stayed on for five seconds. Five seconds. <laughs> yeah. Because it only took two seconds. And, and I had a, so before Google Plus, they actually had something called Google Profiles, which is still Google Profiles. So about a year, a year or two before Google Plus launched, they launched Google Profiles, but you had to get an invite originally. You couldn't just say, I want a Google Profile. They had to actually come to you and say, we, we, you, we think you should do this. And the reason they did it originally was if you were a blogger, they said get a Google profile and then link in a special way from your blog posts right. to your Google profile. And then that certifies that that post was written by you. Yes, that you are the bona fide author yeah. for that. Yeah. So they contacted me. I'm sure they contacted thousands and thousands of others. Probably all you guys as well. And, then, and they had me set up a Google profile. And then I started putting it, which was convenient for them because suddenly I was linking back to Google profiles every day, every time I posted something new. And then one day, Google profiles suddenly became Google+. And I kept doing it because, again, two seconds a day. And if there's a slight chance. Right. It's the same reason that I turned the ba my baseball cap around the other way for a ninth inning rally, right? Because like, <laughs> there's like a remote, tiny chance that the universe may grant my team a rally if I, if I wear my cap the right way. And, and it doesn't hurt any, I'm wearing the cap anyway. What difference does it make which way I'm wearing it? So turn it around, go team. Yeah. And it's like saying Google Plus. It's like post there because I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll get more traffic to myself. I'm glad it's gone because I don't have to do it anymore. Right. Right. Never had to do it. Turns <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. You're, yeah, you're right. In retrospect. Yeah. Google Plus is dead. Long live Google Plus. That's <laughs> not. So, uh, so the next hack yeah. might not be a hack either. That's the China used a tiny chip to infiltrate U.S. companies by planting these chips in the motherboards of Apple computers yeah. and uh, Amazon. Amazon except, stuff. except it yeah. may never have happened, or at least yeah. not the Apple part. It no. maybe or maybe didn't happen. But so. Bloomberg, which broke this story, is sticking adamant. by it, adamant. They yeah. had another story today following up that just like how sure they are. Now, of course, Apple and Amazon are going to deny it. I mean, of course. Um, it's just show show of hands on this audio podcast. <laughs> how, how many of us think that this is a possibility that that this could be a real thing that really happened? I, I certainly think so. I think I so. Think so. Yeah. I, I think so, except that it might be one of those things where like it was not a like okay. So so say Amazon and Apple got these servers. So for everybody listening, you know, servers are just like computers. They're just the hard drives and computer parts, but they're just, they buy them in bulk and throw them into huge warehouses full of servers, right? So you can have cloud services and stuff like that. So you buy them from China, say, and uh, you know, a company makes them, and they have all these chips on them. And the accusation is that there was a chip on these servers that had a little spy thing in it so that somebody could actually hit the server in a certain way with a certain code and then start listening in on the the traffic or looking at the data or doing all sorts of things with yeah. the servers. Now, what I'm thinking is, is that maybe that chip was made and maybe that chip was put on the servers. The initial story from Bloomberg said that 
um, that that happened, and that Apple, for at least from the Apple standpoint, Apple actually figured that out within six weeks or something like that of getting these servers and removed them. And this was back in 2015 or 2016. It was a long time ago. It wasn't recent. And Apple, so Apple actually removed them all, and perhaps Amazon did the same or whatever, according to Bloomberg. The um, And then, of course, so why I say might not have been a hack is it may have happened. Those chips may have gotten onto those servers and been installed, but were they ever activated? Did anybody actually ever say, use them I, for anything? I don't. So first of all, these, uh, according to the picture I saw, these chips are like a grain of sand, small. I mean, they're, they are like... Well, I thought they were just normal chips no, that no, have they, to be they're, there. They're real small. They're, they're real, additional like, chips. Oh, right? they're additional yeah. chips. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was like a grain of sand. Can you see if Apple going, oh, look at this batch of super micro motherboards. They've all, they all have this, 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 uh, this extra spy chip on it. Oh, those crazy Chinese. We'll just remove it, and we'll use these things anyway. Of course they wouldn't do that. They well, no, they didn't. They got, rid of the, they got rid of the motherboards completely. Okay. That's what they did, according I, to the Bloomberg story. Mm-hmm. They said that, uh, the, Bloomberg said that Apple said that they had 7,000 of those. Uh-huh. Which is probably a small number in terms of servers, I think. 7,000 yeah. computers, but they might have had 70,000 or whatever that day. So, and mm-hmm. the Apple actually took those motherboards out of service and got rid of them. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that they got rid of the chip or whatever. And I doubt they noticed the chip on the board. It was probably, if it happened, it was probably a tip-off from somebody saying, these motherboards have a modification, yeah. and then they went in and they got rid of them. I, I, I'm just suggesting that I doubt they actually ever even used... Like, they were put in, if they existed, they were put in place that at some point in the future, after they were, there were millions of them, then they could have been accessed at some point in time in the future. Yeah. So the few weeks that a- Apple and maybe Amazon had them on their server thing, it, it was, it didn't happen. It did, they never got around to actually using that exploit. If it actually happened. Now, Apple denies it, and the... U.S. government denies it because apparently the story says Apple reported it to the FBI or some government agency, and that gov- so the government agency knew about it. The government agency says nope, that never happened. Apple says nope, that never happened. And Bloomberg, I think, or somebody reported that there are eleven different sources that say it did happen. But I'm always skeptical with numbers of sources and tech stories because sources report on sources. So you get this thing. It's like, oh, eleven different sources are reporting this. Binary, anyway. Well, well yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, one, the, you know, one source, one person said it, and then the other ten sources are re-reporting yeah. that same original source, and and because it's anonymous to begin with, they're, you know, so who knows? But so I don't think it was ever actually a. Bloomberg danger. has this this um, animated graphic. That shows a board, and then they're stripping off all the components and showing how small this thing is. Basically, it's you know, grain of sand is right. Uh, and they're also saying it's not just Amazon and Apple; it's quote almost thirty companies. So you know, what do you believe? I don't know, but it's it's an interesting uh, thing, and I sure wouldn't put it past China to do it. I wouldn't either. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. It falls into that category of possible. The and real plausible. question, the, pl- if plausible even, the question is, was it, is it likely? The answer is we really don't know. And has there, you know, is there any, any evidence that it was actually exploited? Yeah, well, this, so far the answer appears to be no. Yeah. This was just a beta test. <laughs> this was Rev 1. That might be I, one of those things that you have out there for when you need it. You sit on it. But you know. sure, or well, if you, you know, there's yeah. that, or or it's a decoy, <laughs> and we're all focusing on this chip at this corner of the board, and it's right. actually not noticing over at the other corner, right? <laughs> the big yellow light, and it could be you know we're always quick to actually say China as in the government, you know, government of China. It could also be a Chinese company, sure. that was saying, hey, if we get enough of these out there. Uh, we have this backup plan to make a few billion dollars right. by suddenly saying, hey, we can grant the it's government or maybe a non-government agency. Corporate espionage. And, and, yeah. and even and cloud servers are weird, too, because a lot of people think, oh, no, cloud servers is private data. Well, there's probably a large part, maybe a majority of cloud services are not private. They're public. Like, you know, there's just public stuff. Information, Wikipedia. 
You know, it's not like, oh, we broke in and we have access to all the articles of Wikipedia. I got news for you. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that, right? I mean, all my, like, MacMost is technically, it's on a server, right? What if there was, somebody had access to all the information at MacMost? Just like everybody else in the world can actually go and look at all my articles. The, the real risk of a server compromise, though, isn't about stealing your content for servers yeah. like yours and mine and Wikipedia. The real risk is that, Wiki, let's use Wikipedia, if somebody manages to break in and actually plant some malware that then downloads onto every machine that's visiting Wikipedia normally, that's the real risk of a, of a public server compromise. I guess. Uh, <laughs> or maybe they put incorrect information on Wikipedia. No, no. That would be a Got some news for you. <laughs> Don't wait, wait, you burst just, the bubble. You just logged in and just put that there? Oh, man, we have a multi-billion dollar chip hacking scheme. Just log in and do it. So, so time will tell, right? Well, no, because we'll it, it happened years ago. Or it may so. not tell. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I yeah, that's the other thing I didn't get from the Bloomberg article. If they were ta if they were talking about it as if it was a current event, but what you're saying is this is a couple of years, seven this, years this, ago. This, yeah, well, the, the, the reported thing that Apple had these for six weeks was in 2015 or 2016 or something like that. Uh, that's what Bloomberg reported. Apple still denies it, and the government still denies that they were ever told about it. So, right. yeah. So. All right, then. Do we have on the list, I'm not looking at the list, but do we have on the list too that what .gov domains now no, are no. going to two-factor? I just, I, somebody, I should look this up, but I just read that uh, finally logins for accounts at .gov domains will finally go to two-factor authentication. That'd well, nice. they're going to require it from, I mean, my, my county in Colorado has a .gov domain. Yeah. Are they going to have to use 2FA to, to get into their... Server or what? Yeah, I don't I know. So, why not? I, I don't know. I just how are they going to enforce that? I don't know. I, uh, uh, the story says government's rolling out two-factor authentication. This is in the Washington Post, and um, it's uh, federal and state employees responsible for running government websites will have to use two-factor authentication for administrative accounts. Um, so not for citizen access, but right. for... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. For admin, admin. So Department of Justice, Department of State, Defense. Oh, great. Great. So Defense hasn't been using two-factor. <laughs> um, uh, but this is, you know, we'll, we'll have to use it. I'm hoping that some of the Department of Defense sites were already using, yeah. uh, using it. So... This is a story from today, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's actually, like you said, it's a good thing. Yes, the, th the, the, the password-related story that I thought was entertaining, and I'll, I'll look up a link for the show notes a little later, is the, uh, the one where California is now legislating that it's illegal to have weak passwords in IoT devices. That's me clapping. Yeah, and that's because legislation on passwords is going to work. Well, no, but if they say that if they, if they say you can't have a default password of uh, username of admin and password of password, then and, and sell your item to in California or to California governments, then all the electronics manufacturers are going to change their their evil ways. Their evil ways. And, and they're, of course, they're not going to make a version for California, so they're just going to change it, and it's yeah. going to help everybody. I'm, so you're I'm you're talking about default passwords, and yes. you're, t you're thinking about consumers if they change passwords. No, it's the default password. password. Okay. The IoT password. When you get yeah. an IoT device, yeah. Yeah. what's the password to access that or, thing? Or, or the device simply doesn't work until you give it a password. Yeah. Right. To, access, right. to use your device, please set it up. You need to right. use a strong yeah. password. Yeah. Or else it just doesn't work. Yeah. I'm, I'm just... I think my refrigerator stopped working because my password expired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I not Alan, is your refrigerator running? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> Alexa, change my password. <laughs> so the the I mean you're right. In theory, in, in the concept is a fine one. We should all have if we're going to use passwords, they should, the you know default password should be long and strong and all this wonderful yeah. stuff. I'm just skeptical that legislating it is the way to do it. Well, for, it's just for Internet of Things, though. Considering that most legislators probably use weak passwords on yes. all of their systems. Yes. yes. One, two, three, four, five, six. 
I think the idea is you buy a, a doorbell or a, a security camera or whatever, and most people are just going to plug that sucker in and, and not change and not yeah, change the password. And that. a not a they can they can be spied on by anybody. And 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 b those things if if hacked can can be used to create a distributed denial of service right. attack. And uh-huh. this cuts down on all those problems. It shouldn't be that hard for manufacturers yes. to do it because they no. already match up. Because you new can't Mac force people to change passwords, like that, but you can you? you can force uh, manufacturers to not have default passwords. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. It's, I, like I said, I, I remain, did, did they pass the legislation? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. And, and I did see some criticism of, uh, you know, my God, what kind of a nanny state is this? Exactly. Yeah, there is that. But it's not, like Leo says, it's not for you that you can't put a password in that, that you want. It's the yeah. default by the manufacturers. And I'm really in favor of that. Well, yeah, because the alternative, right, if things got out of hand and there were, like, all these devices causing problems with the internet, right? Which there are. Then, right. So if so then would you would you want to be held liable? You know, you buy a little webcam, you, you stick it in your front yard so you can see what your yard looks like when you're away from home, and then you find out six months later that it was hacked and it's sending out spam email or whatever. Right. Do you want then to get fined for that? And the answer is almost certainly no. It's like, no, wait, I didn't make the vulnerability. I didn't know... But so this is a way to deal with it where individuals are not going to be fined because they, they you know, have one of these devices. Instead, you say, okay, no, you're still not liable for that, but you do have to use a strong password. Yeah. You have to give in somewhere. Well, it'll be interesting to see where it lands in the long term. You're right. So yeah. having just, I mean, my, my ring doorbells are supposed to be delivered tomorrow. So it'll be interesting. It'll be stolen off the front porch. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a doorbell yet. How will you know when they're delivered? Exactly. Yeah. There's a problem. There's a chicken and egg problem. Well, you know, I've got a couple of these webcams that look at my driveway, look at the mountains that, that I can get into from this secret lair. Right. And that uses Chinese software to get in this Chinese-made thing. They've got access into my IoT device if they want to do it. I'm sure they do. Yeah. So well, there are plenty of websites now where you can look at random people's webcams because they've put it in there. And no, didn't. because they have default passwords. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's the, it is the default password problem. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You, you know, and and sporing, I mean, normally it's like it's a it's a laundromat. It's a you know a, right. outside of some of some shop or whatever. Right. But it's yeah. But sometimes it's you know someone's. Crib or something, you know, a baby, a baby's baby room. Are, are you going to share those URLs on the podcast it, website? Uh, let's no, not. no, no. Yeah. Yeah. That. Exercise to the listener. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And and as you know, routers at least have been changing in this regard, right? Routers used to come with you know horrible default. Admin and admin. Admin admin is the is the classic one for old Linksys routers. Right. And now, yeah, there's a sticker on the box or there's right. something on the serial number. And now it's a, a, it's less of a problem, but it's the opposite problem where sometimes I will go into a business and there will be free Wi-Fi mm-hmm. and it will say. Our username is XPWOT, you know, and the password is W, capital K, lowercase Q. You know, it's just like you guys can change the password to yeah, you know, Salon true. if that's you wanted true. to, yeah. but they yeah. don't. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. No. Um, so moving on, the thing that kept me awake last night, the busiest oh. by far the day before I left coming here was um, the, the, the latest update from Microsoft. Uh, Windows 10, uh, I forget what they call it. I think they just call it the October update. Uh, it's 2018-09 because the software was supposedly completed in the month of September, 09. Started becoming available for people running Windows 10. And all of a sudden, people, some subset of people who downloaded it and installed it found that it had deleted their documents. It's because they had the default passwords on. <laughs> it's a feature. Sadly, not. Um, now, it's interesting because back in my days at Microsoft... have a backup copy. <laughs> yeah. Back in my days at Microsoft, we definitely classified bugs in different ways. Uh, there were, you know, it was an inconvenience, it was a spelling error, it was a functionality problem. The worst kind of bug, and one of the ways you could almost guarantee that you would get through and potentially even delay a product, was a data destruction bug, a bug that actually caused data to be deleted. And yet, somehow, uh, this one made it through. 
it's really unclear how Microsoft let this one out the door. There are reports that they had reports of the issue before they actually released the update. Oh my. So as it turns out, it was starting to get enough bad press. I mean, I quick published an article on Friday that just said, hey, you know, if you're going to install this update, and by the way, <laughs> well, and by the way, for Windows 10 home users, you can't control when you get this update. You are going to get it, whether you want it or not, at a time you can't predetermine. Um, you need to back up first so that in case it happens to step on all your data, you can restore it. But over the weekend, Microsoft decided that, okay, fine, uh, <laughs> we will we'll, we'll stop we'll pushing it out. Look. We'll take a look. Um, they stopped pushing it out. Now, there was a report this afternoon that they have discovered the root cause of the problem and that they have fixed it and they're pushing a fix out to what they call their, I think it's their insiders, um, their fast ring, the folks that are getting the pre-releases of Windows 10 as they're being made available. Uh, hopefully it'll start getting making its way out into the real world in a few, uh, a few more days. But um, this was a big bad one and Microsoft has had a couple of problems with these big updates. Last year's update at this time had a similar, not a data destruction problem, but it definitely had some, some uh, crashing problems. Um, they're just having trouble getting these things out the door without causing people problems. So they've been, uh, they've been working on it. Uh, like I said, Bug classification, data destruction is one of those things that should cause a full stop on a release. And it didn't in this case. And I've been trying to rack my brain as to try and understand how this could have happened. And the only thing that I can think of is that there is something that's unique uh, about the bug that doesn't occur naturally at my, on Microsoft campus. That the machines that they use for testing and for development and so forth are different in probably some really minor and obscure way, you know, some random registry setting that uh, that prevents it from appearing there. So. Now the warnings I've been seeing are, um, it's such a big update that if you don't have enough disk space, it won't complete, and you could end up with your your computer pretty much thrashed because it's got a partial update. Right, I heard is that, that too. related at all? No. No, it has nothing to do with disk space. This is this That's is just a bonus. That's a bonus. And you'll notice that we're not talking about that issue. As serious as that issue might be, this one is eclipsing it. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, yeah. So, no, the disk space issue is an interesting one. It's an e much more easy to solve one, though. I don't think it actually bricked your machine. I don't think it actually made your machine unbootable. Un, um, uh, un I think it simply prevented the update from installing, and you went into one of these never-ending update loops. Uh, until you cleared up enough disk space to make it happen. Yep. So the bottom line is as usual, Leo. Back up, back up, back up, especially if you know that there's a big update coming. But And, and there is. Yeah, there is. Well, there always is, and that's the thing. I mean, I, you know, I warned everybody to back up before this update because it might delete their files. We'd heard about it deleting files. But in reality, stuff happens, and you want to back up regularly. The folks that are backing up daily, for example they actually were never at risk. Um, it's the folks who weren't backing up uh, or backing up much less frequently that, uh, that were at a bigger risk of data. Well, they may have been at risk, but they would have been inconvenienced because they had to go back and get the files back. Right, so, right. Yeah, there's, well, there's... they have to notice that the files are missing, too. True. And in this so. case, apparently it was pretty obvious pretty quickly because this was like the default documents folder was empty. Oh, oops. <laughs> right. Um, that would be noticeable, even to me. Yeah, yeah. All your, you know, your music and pictures, everything that's in the user like login name folder got reset with the default contents, which is empty. So, yeah, it was pretty quickly noticeable if, if it was going to happen to you. And unfortunately, uh, some of the early recovery instructions I saw involved using tools like Recover to undelete files. But the problem with that is that that's not 100% because your ability to undelete a file depends on how much you've been using the computer, how much has been written to the hard disk since the files were deleted, and oh, by the way, where did they get deleted? In the middle of this massive update that was probably writing a whole bunch of stuff to your machine. So it's, it's, it's just, it was bad all around, and, and everybody should be backing up regardless of what you think, and this is just another reason to realize that you can't really trust 
um, uh, a big, certainly a big Windows update, but you need to be prepared for that to happen. All right. Back up. Back up. Back up. <sighs> so, Leo, you haven't been talking enough uh, yet. Uh, <laughs> I, I was really fascinated about you, you talking about this uh, little article from your hometown about sex offenders and Halloween. And it, it actually has a bigger ramification, and people can do this no matter where they are. It doesn't, they don't have to live where you do. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I ran in my news feed, I just ran across this article that basically said it's the Woodenville 2018 Halloween Sex Offender Map, which was an interesting title and kind of got my interest in, you know, okay. And what it is, is it's literally nothing more than an informational article that pre-selects a map for you from the national database of registered sex offenders and zooms in on your neighborhood so that your children, when they go trick-or-treating on the 31st... You might want to skip that house. Skip that house, or, depending on the density, skip that neighborhood. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's not new data. The data has been there for a really long time. It's been used for both good and evil. Uh, people have definitely been persecuted because they you know, have, show up on this thing for a variety of reasons. Uh, and, you know, yeah, it's interesting to go look at. You know, there's one a couple blocks from where I happen to live in one direction. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's informational. But certainly, if I had kids, absolutely, I'd be taking a look at this thing and not, and not doing anything about it. I'm sorry, not, and not letting my kids go in that, uh, that general direction. Yeah, and I looked at my county, and my county has two, kind of two sex offenders in the entire county. Oh, wow. Um, but I looked at the... And how many people, that, that, how many people live in your house? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's 100% increase. Yeah, right. Well, I, yeah, my county has 4,500 people in it, so that's, you right. know, that may be a typical percentage, I don't know. Right. But the, the big town to our north and the next county had a couple of pages, and it's like, wow. You know, yeah. it's, it's, and I, I scrolled through them, and they were all men. Um, and one of the things I did notice is we've heard before that, you know, kids that moon somebody are sometimes put on sex, the sex offender registry, or that peed in public get on the sex offender registry, and that's just ludicrous. So I'm, I'm glad to hear, or glad to see that it tells you that they could be, their level of offense, and everyone that I saw said felony conviction. So, oh, so they do list the... Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I, I always heard that, you know, the rumor that people that, you know, peed behind the bar or whatever get on the sex offender list. And I it's actually... one time, Gary, get over it. Yeah. Well, no, but here's the, here's the, the true story. When my wife first opened her bookstore, one of the things we did is our first retail store we ever had. This was like way back in 2001. And one of the things we did is somebody said, oh, call the local police and they'll send a person around to meet you, you know, new lo you know, shop owners and stuff, and they'll do a walkthrough of your store and give you tips and everything. So a, a local police officer came by, you know, scheduled a time, and he walked through and he showed us like the back door and said, oh, put a can of mace by the back door. That way if there's something going on, you can retreat to the back and you have kind of this weapon, this can of mace in the back. You know, that, so he gave lots of useful advice. And the other thing he said, oh, your dumpster back there, there's bars in this area. So, you know, you, you call the police if you ever see anybody trying to, like, use your dumpster. It's like a bathroom, you know, going back there and stuff like that. You know, don't put up with that. And we're like, oh, well, that doesn't seem like a big deal. And he goes, oh, no, if we, we catch somebody, you know, urinating by your dumpster back there, we could, we could technically put them on the sex offenders list. And we'll do that, too. And we're like, oh, okay, thanks. I'm like, they really do that. <laughs> That's what I've heard. That's what a police officer told us that he would. If we call him and somebody's urinating by our dumpster, they'll grab them and put them on the sex offenders list for exposing themselves. I'm like, okay, it was actually, that's a real thing. I, I didn't know we we're talking about in. in uh, so don't in, trick in, or treat Port, by the dumpster. Portland's. Yeah. I just read this. I don't know if this is Portland or all of Oregon, but they just decided that if you are caught urinating in a public place it, you can't be like super arrested for that. Well yeah, so maybe, maybe they're adjusting go. that. Yeah. Well I mean that that is the thing, it's right, yeah, I mean some, sometimes you just gotta go and yeah. with public, like with governments and cities and towns and all, getting rid of public restrooms. Right. I mean, it used to be, you know, a few decades ago there were a lot more public right. restrooms but people uh, you know, 
mess them up and it, it's just not worth it all the money to to, to support them. Yeah. So they get rid of them. Right. So, so they have to go to Starbucks. If <laughs> yeah, and then in, Star, in some towns, Starbucks all closed by nine. Right. You know, so you're at a bar, you leave, you do the responsible thing, and you're not driving. So now you have a half hour walk home, and guess what happens after drinking like six beers in a night, and you're walking home half an hour. And, right. So what do you do? Sometimes. Sometimes it, you just gotta go. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So. I don't know. It's weird. Sure. Good. Right. I, I want to show, show you guys, uh, Leo and Alan, you've been using computers for a long time. I'm going to show you a screen. And it, I was want, this a comment on I, our age? I want, <laughs> you know, <laughs> your, your, your experience with computers. I want to, can, you, can you guys tell me what that's is a, happening here? That's a disk yeah, defragger. defragger. Yeah. That's a disk defragger, right. So Why are you defragging on a Mac? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? So I wanted to show you, I thought you guys would enjoy this. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, with Twitch, which is a, a, a website uh, basically sure. for people to play video games and they, they stream themselves right. playing video games. Right. Well, th this is a Twitch channel which 24-7 has a simulation of a disc defragmenter going. <laughs> How many people are watching? Right now it's uh, six people, including me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just real slow, little little uh, red, a little uh, yellow yeah. yellow dots lining up in, in order, and uh, yeah, you can watch. I actually uh, spent many hours watching a screen just like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it is it is kind of fast. I, I have to admit too that you, you should spend zero time watching that. You started disk defrag, you know, back in the day. Yep. You don't have to look at it, right. and you wait till it's done. But we all spend at least a few minutes watching, staring watch at it. it. Yeah, so. I, Anyway, it's, it, it, I just thought it was fun, and, and I wanted yeah. to show it off. It's interesting. My, my question for you is, is, let's put this podcast in a, in a time machine to, to 20 years ago, right? It's, it's the 90s. Is defragmenting a waste of time? And, and 20 years ago? Back then, whatever. no. Absolutely on, not. On your, absolutely your, not. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's built in, a lot of that stuff is built into the firmware on the hard drive. Mm-hmm. Now. So is, yeah. is now. Running, so it's is, doing it now. So, okay. Right. Just, so so 20, 30 years ago, was it a waste to be running defrag software? No. 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 So, at least once in a just, while. just like 20, 30 years ago, screensavers you know, served their purpose. purpose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. Example. Yeah. 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 I definitely have personally experienced performance improvements before and after yes. um, you know, defragging a seriously fragmented machine. Now, um, it's not, I, I don't know about firmware. But the, it's built into the operating system. Windows 7, into the, into the, starting the with Windows 7, it automatically defrags all of your magnetic media hard drives mm -hmm. once a week. Magnetic it just does it in the background. Media. Meaning it doesn't do SSDs. No, no, it no, does no, not no, do no, SSDs. Saying, magnetic, and you don't want to do SSDs. Magnetic media. I remember magnetic media. Yeah. yeah. No, no, with SSDs, I mean, adding extra writes is basically it's shortening a, the line. It's a bad thing, yes. Right. So. And you don't need, yeah, it doesn't, and it's, it's not moving a, a, a you know, a thing. physical thing to right. get to another sector on the disk. Right. So you don't need to do that. Um, yeah, there's, there's, although there, I've, I've heard mixed reports now of whether or not if you actually defrag an SSD, if it actually does positively impact the performance. To me, I'm not going to test it and find out because I don't want to shorten the life of my SSDs. And Even though they are getting much, much better in terms of lifespan, they will outlast most of the machines they're in these days. But oh, yeah. still, you know, well, even the, normal even use, the, right? the lifespans, I mean, it's been a long time now. I don't, I, has it been five years or so since every MacBook has come with an SSD? And, and the, the weird thing about kind of like the MacBook audience and stuff, you know, Apple didn't make a big deal. When they first started, I think the first MacBook Air was the one that had you know an SSD that was like a big deal. But they didn't go and make a big deal out of the fact that that was what was different. And so you had lots of people over the years purchasing MacBooks without realizing they were getting a machine with an SSD in it. And eventually you had all MacBooks had SSDs in it. And it was like no big deal. So you even have now people saying, oh, I've got an old MacBook. Uh, how can I uh, make it go faster? Right. And somebody's saying, put an SSD in it. Too late. And they'd be like, well, it's a, you know, by old, they mean like a 2013 MacBook. And it's like, it already has this SSD. still got SSD. And the interesting thing is, is those SSDs are all still working. I mean, not all, but right. they're still working. And you'd think, like, I have a 2009 MacBook Air, which isn't even the first generation MacBook Air. It's like a MacBook Air from, uh, you know, you can go a few years back on that, that had SSDs in it. I just used the 2009 MacBook Air for something this week. And... And it works fine, which means I've got a nine-year-old SSD mm -hmm. 
in that machine, and it was heavily used because uh, I used that as, like my main laptop for years. Um, the SSD works great. I think that's long exceeded the, what people were talking about back then. Right. Of how long SSDs should work, and today's usefully or even better. So. Yeah, they're better, and like I said, they're outlasting the useful life of the machine. Yeah. Right. So the machines, I don't, the machines aren't wearing out. They're just becoming superseded by newer, faster machines, faster than the SSD itself is wearing out. I'm not even sure if you, you know, if you. Well, for example. Our servers, my server at least, the, the one that hosts Ask Leo, SSD based, right? Right. And so is mine. Yeah, and and it is a noticeable speed increase for the server, but it's also you know that implies there's a fair amount of disk usage going on pretty much constantly, twenty four seven, throughout the entire day, and it's just well, it's writing log on. files and nothing else, and they just yeah. every time at a minimum it's yeah. log files. Yeah. Well, and we're on the same server farm, right. and they actually have. Disk farms that there's not a disk in our server. Right. There, it's just going over the network to a central right. big giant SSD drive, and we have a certain quota of how much, how much space we can use on. How much we get to use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we can pay for more, and they turn a dial or change a setting, and they change the setting. Yeah. All of a sudden, we've got more disk space. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So, I don't know. The real question, what I, what I thought you were going to ask is, 20 or 30 years from now, mm. what is that decade's equivalent of Twitch mm. going to be looking at that was so cute right now? Huh. <laughs> oh. We have no way of knowing. <laughs> huh. well, what, what do we do now that... That's why yeah, it's some sort of maintenance like back. Is it is it backing up? Is it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'll just say, ha ha, we're pre-apocalypse. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you can walk outside without wearing a face mask. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, the computers worked at all before the EMP hit. Oh, yeah, 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 it's yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah. So when are they listening to us? Yeah. 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 yeah, I don't know how they're listening to this. But. Before the, before the <laughs> Chinese act activated their little secret chip. Yeah. It's an oral history, right? <laughs> the, the person named TH44 is, is recounting this episode. Right. It was their job at, like, to I, memorize. I hope this. it's somebody's job <laughs> yeah, to, to keep this going. Yes. You were born to memorize an hour-long podcast. Keep right. that alive. And error every word. <laughs> One hand, two decks, three squawking geese, four lumber oysters, five cor corpulent porpoises, six pairs of downovers with tweezers. And a partridge. <laughs> <laughs> that had the ring of something you actually memorized. What was that? Uh, it was a thing my dad taught me when I was little. And I, I think it was from a comedy skit or something. I actually don't know what it's from. Um, it well, was Google it. Google it. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> One hand, two ducks. Before the before the EMP hits, Google. Yeah, <laughs> teach yeah. you pirates of Penzance or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the announcers test. Ah. Oh. Sometimes, according to Wikipedia, uh, announcers test is sometimes given to those wanting to be a radio or television announcer. The tests usually involve retention, memory, repetition, enunciation, diction, and uh, using every letter of the alphabet a variety of times. And one of them, according to Wikipedia, is one hand, two ducks. So the way I, the way I learned it is you, you would say one hand, one hand, two ducks, one hand, two ducks, three squawking geese, one hand, two ducks, three squawking geese, four Limburg oysters. It, I'm not going to repeat the whole thing. And then there's five corpulent porpoises, six pairs of Don Alverzo tweezers, 7,000 Macedonians in full battle array. And he's not reading this. Eight yeah, brass monkeys from the ancient yeah, sacred crypts of Egypt. Is, yeah, nine wow. apathetic, sympathetic, diabetic old men on roller skates with a marked propensity towards procrastination and sloth. And I'll probably have to look for ten. They were sabotaging. Ten, <laughs> ten lyrical, spherical, diabolical denizens of the deep it's a, who, who? Could, who could who all said, who uh, all stall. Uh, actually, this is different from how I learned it. I'm going to read it now. Who all stall around the corner of the quo of the quay of the quivery all at the same time. Wow. So, And we'll link to this Wikipedia. Will, <laughs> and all this time, you did not know what this was, even though you went to journalism school. <laughs> no, yeah. And, and for the record, I will never, ever be an announcer, because there's no way. <laughs> right? I may be able to pronounce it all. Right. No way will I ever remember it all. <laughs> Um, the time for that is long past. That's the most interesting thing I've learned all week. 
<laughs> I, th- I think it's wild. I yeah. haven't heard of it either. Uh, the announcer test? Yeah, my, maybe I was seven, and that's probably why I remember it now, because I was just in that age where I was actually re- able to remember things. Uh, Which so, is why I, I was so far past that. So I would imagine if you wanted to be in a, like a radio announcer or something like that, that was a test you had to pass to get in. We should have a test today like that for social media. Something you have to do, or you can't Snapchat. <laughs> I like that. Don't get your Snapchat license. Yeah, you need a Snapchat. Hey, if there's going to be a Snapchat, uh, California will be the first state to pass a Snapchat license. <laughs> and uh, and I would support it. That's pretty funny. All right, we, st- we still have a few more minutes. Well, I've been fascinating. I'm done. Someone else. Yeah, you, yeah that, that was good. I like you've that. reached your fascinating quota for the night. Yeah. yeah, and Randy already implied that I talk too much, so I'm done. <laughs> so, so I no, I've just been mulling over this whole thing. That, that, that the last question is, what will we look back as being quaint? You know, mm, 20, yeah. 20 years from now. I mean, I I I don't know. I mean, computers. Like, I, I don't know that the computers are going to get smaller because. Our eyes are well, going sure to they older. are. They're, they're, they're going to be implanted. Well, no. Well, yeah. yeah. I'd love to see tech. But, I mean, the, the thing is, this, at this point, the screens and the keyboards are the size. I, I think... Are the size limiting factors. Yeah, but yeah. we're getting better and better at, at voice recognition stuff. You know, with, you know, Alexa and Siri and all that. And, and typing, you know, dictation stuff. It's just, it's really has advanced to the point... I'm starting to wonder if we are going to reach a threshold where the keyboards are going to start to go away a little bit. It's interesting. I, I always struggle with, with that because there's plenty of ways now to enter information there on a keyboard. But the problem is the keyboard is still the, the fastest. fastest. Yeah. Well, it is the, it is the I, fastest. I would argue. Certainly for me it is. I would, and I've done, I've done MacMo's stuff on this. Is that right now, I think the fastest way is a hybrid. Is So... On, uh, for the Mac dictation stuff, at least, you can have it set where you can really have your hands on the keyboard, you can be dictating, right. and you can do them in, in tandem. Mm-hmm. So you could talk and then quickly make a, a change to something or type out a word that mm-hmm. is like you know medical term or something like that. And then move the insertion and, point. And, and, and move the insertion point and all that. And, and if you work at it, just a few minutes, just to get into the flow of it, you can actually get a faster speed than you can with either individually. Hmm. And... But, you know, who's willing to do that? I, I think the thing is that we're getting to the point where it's getting good enough. Once it's going to hit some sort of threshold, it's going to hit some, some sort of threshold where it's suddenly good enough that people are going to really want to talk to their mobile devices. This is the important thing. We already don't have a keyboard. You already only have a virtual keyboard. And you're going to want to talk to it. Um, today, as you guys said, I was driving. Um, I did anything I needed to do on my phone. I asked... Siri to, you know, read my text messages. I responded to a few just completely using my voice. I wasn't, my phone was just away. It was in the dash, you know, and um, or the central console or whatever. Uh, and I just used voice to I know type. On the Android side, it doesn't feel nearly as ready, as yeah. advanced. Um, I desperately want to be able to do what you just described with my phone. Yeah. Like I'll get a text message while I'm driving, and I just have a hell of a time getting it to do what I want. Um, I, lo- I like what you said about um, uh, the, this mix of typing and talking. I think that that's actually something I'm probably going to experiment yeah. with. The problem I have with it, and I think it's a bigger problem, until it becomes socially acceptable yes. to be talking to your device in public. Hey, there's an ad, an Alexa ad right now. The woman on the bus. Uh huh. You know, and it's and it's it, is it is that for yeah? Because she has the headphones on, right? And then she's and she's observing all this cool stuff going on where everybody else on the bus is staring at their phones, right? And she is talking to Alexa on the bus, right? And I'm probably the only one that found that to be the interesting part of the commercial because right, right, right. the commercial is supposed to be selling something else, yeah. but she's asking Alexa for things. It's it's out loud. There's the a bus. bit of a social change that has to happen, even at home, right? If I'm at home and I'm talking to my computer, it feels weird because yeah. my wife is nearby and she's listening to me. Or, you know, I say one of my dog's trigger words and they start barking. You know, I mean, there's... Any they did it on Star Trek somehow. You know? <laughs> yeah, well... You know? I mean, maybe it's maybe it's, we need to have a place that we go to. You know, you need to walk up to the wall 
and talk to the, <laughs> talk to the wall. Go to the screen or something. I don't, I don't know what it is. Or maybe it just needs, you know, to, to cross the threshold where yeah. you understand. It's one of the things that helps with these trigger words, like the, you know, the Amazon trigger word, and then there's, you know, the Siri trigger word right, and stuff right. like that. It helps with those because if you hear somebody say that, right. then, you know, it's uh, you know that they're not talking to you. Right. Which is unless your name is Alexa. Yeah, which is big, so which is unfortunate for everybody named Alexa. Yeah. And is anybody named Siri? There are a few. Yes, there's been stories on them and stuff. Are but there? Part of the problem is I think with you know Siri, you can say Hey, and then Siri, or you could just hold the button on your phone. Right. And what I've learned to do is even if I'm holding the phone and I could much easier hold the button and just start talking. Don't do that because other people in my household on the same right. floor as me are going to think I'm talking to them. Right. But if I say, hey, and then Siri, and then start talking, then that's a signal to them that I'm not talking to them. So that's, you're training, that's interesting. Yeah, you're training it's everybody else. It's a signal to the but humans, that's what's <laughs> not to the computer. Well, on yeah. Star Trek, they said computer, right? Yes. Computer, this. And Working. Was this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So My mom almost named me OK Google. I dodged a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Your sister's Cortana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That chewed up the rest of the hour. <laughs> sure did. We're All right. Anything, anything you guys are doing? Oh. I'm going home. Got to drive home. Yeah, I got to drive yeah. home. I got two days. We're all going to split up and drive home. Okay. That's the end of what we're doing. Yeah. 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 All right. I'm going to start no. practicing. I'm going to start typing and talking at the same time yeah. and see if my computer can figure me yeah, out. Yeah. I don't know how it works on. Well, no, you're going to do oh, it on Mac. Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, the show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh44. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at the TEH Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again here next week. Bye. 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 Secret lair.